establish peace for us. And then it says, all that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Isn't that awesome? And man, it's John 14, 15, and it's, it's the vine and the branches. That's what Jesus emphasized over and over and over and over and over. He says, you guys are not the vine. You get your life from me. If Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you really can do nothing but, but, but connected to me. You know, if my word abides in you, abide in me, my word abides in you. Ask what you will. But he also says, you will bear much fruit. And, and when you read in, in Galatians 5, this is not my message today, <laughs> but Galatians 5, it, it, I don't know if you, you've probably heard this a thousand times, but you know when, when, when Paul is writing to the Galatians there in chapter 5, and he's actually contrasting the works of the flesh, and he gives this disgusting list, right? that too, too many of us are all too familiar with, but he gives this disgusting list, but he's actually contrasting that with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it is of the Holy Spirit, by the way. He's the author of it. So, so yeah, there's a place to say, oh, yeah, I gotta work on being more patient, but that's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You with me? Like, he's the author of it. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna be more patient. You know? As, as, if, a, as if you walk past a tree and you hear it grunting. And I'm sure you've heard this metaphor before, but you don't, you don't hear fruit trees grunting, trying to bear fruit. And he's contracting the acts, which are that's something you do, of the sinful nature. Something you do with something you are. It's doing versus being, and the being is, is being connected to the vine. It's, so, so all of a sudden, being a Mary of Bethany and sitting at the feet of Jesus becomes incredibly important in God's economy. You with me? I think we're on the same page. So I bless you, I bless you, I bless you in Jesus' name to be, thanks, um, to, to be Mary's of Bethany. And you know the Lord really likes you a lot. He really, really likes you. And uh, the idea of you playing hooky with Jesus, that gives, that, that gives the Lord a real, a real kick too. Because he really, really, really likes to have you with him. Okay, let's, uh, let's get into... Um, Let's get into this. Um, I want to I share with you eventually about at least a little bit, this is just scratching the surface of this topic, but at least a little bit about honoring the ones God honors. And uh, I need to be reminded of this fairly, fairly frequently at regular intervals, intervals because the ones that God honors so often are not the ones who get a lot of attention um, in the world. And unfortunately, sometimes not even in the church not even in the body of Christ, there's, everything is sort of different from God's point of view. And there, there, there are the people that, that figure so prominently in the heart of God and they're so high up in God's economy that don't seem to be super important um, in, in the world's eyes. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, but, okay, I asked you to go to Matthew 18. Um, if, you, if you do want, you don't have to, but if you want to flip over to Matthew 25 and put your, put your finger in, in Matthew 18, that doesn't work if you have an iPhone. Sorry about that. You techies. Um, <laughs> Matthew 25 is a really troubling passage of scripture <laughs> to, uh, to, to uh, evangelical Christians, for sure. Like I would 
include myself in that category because because of something that Jesus says there. And it's the kind of thing, I don't like offending people. I don't know about you. Don't, don't answer if you're one of the people that do like to offend people. I have some friends that really love offending people. I'm not, I'm not one of them. And I would choose not to say things like this except that Jesus did. Right? If he didn't say it himself out of his own mouth, there's no way I would say this to somebody. But Jesus actually says in Matthew 20, that's the sheep and the goats passage, if, if you're familiar with it at all. Jesus, he actually says, Jay, there's going to be a day there's coming a day, I'm telling you, this is the truth, when there's going to be this separation of the sheep and the goats, those who are on my right and those who are on my left. And that's the passage where he says, you know, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was in prison, you came and visited me. On and on and on it goes. And he says that he takes these things personally in so many words. He says, this is such a big deal, I take it personally. He says, I'm telling you that whatever you have done for one of, who are they? The least of these. I'm telling you, says the Lord, you did it for me. And, and I think he would say to you, well, he says to me, he says, Jay, you know, that separation that is coming, and we, we absolutely, by the way, I have to say this, we absolutely believe, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we're saved um, by grace, and this is through, from, from faith, and this is a gift from God. Even that's not of ourselves, right? Not by works so that no one can boast. Absolutely, we're saved by grace. But in here's Jesus saying, there's just going to come this day of separation. And the basis of that separation is, Jay, how did you respond to the least of these? How, how did you look out for the poor? How did you look out for those who are so prominent in the heart of God and yet don't get a whole lot of attention? For our purposes this morning, um, and I don't have time to unpack this, but for our purposes, when I talk about the least of these, and that's, that's one of the groups of people, by the way, that I'm talking about. They, they, they're mentioned repeatedly, but the least of these, for our purposes, that basically means somebody who can't pay me back. Like, it would never enter my mind. It would never enter your mind or your, your thoughts that when you're doing something for someone in this way or you're ministering to someone, you're looking out for them, you're taking care of them, it would never, you'd, you'd never be, it would never be something you would consider that I'm doing this because of something they're going to do for me. Or something I'm going to get off this. Or they're going to get, give to me. Right? And Jesus says when you do this. When you minister to somebody who can't pay you back. From heaven's point of view. You did it for me. This, this, absolute, this passage. It drives me nuts. Where I've heard some, you know, some theologians. Very educated people. Try to teach that this is a, Jesus was giving a metaphor here. This is not a metaphor. This is not poetry. He is saying from heaven's point of view. From the point of view of the throne of God. Whatever you do for one of the least of these, he's saying, guys, you did it for me for real. That really was for me. We're still friends. Okay? Yeah, that was absolutely for me. And then, of course, the other side of it is this, this really sobering warning. He says, whatever you, you know, what you could have done, you didn't do, you didn't do for me. And I prefer to focus on the first part. But for, I'm going to have to jump ahead here. For, 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 this, uh, this group of people that we call the least of these that gets so much attention. And, and by the way, if, in, a, in a vineyard context, I do understand that I'm preaching to the choir for the most part. And I've already asked uh, Pastor Aaron, they're gonna, there's people going to be praying for me later. I'm here to receive. I want you to know that. Um, I got to toss this out too. Um, years ago, some of you might have been there, but my wife Sandy and I went to a conference in Kitchener. Uh, Carol Wimber was one of the speakers. 
Some of you might recognize the name John Wimber. Okay, John Wimber, he actually wasn't the founder, but he was often seen as the founder of the Vineyard Movement. And um, he, he passed away. The year that he passed away, Carol Wimber came to speak at a conference in Kitchener, Ontario. And she had been scheduled to speak at all kinds of conferences all through the year. And that the only one she agreed to, she, to after her, her husband died, after John died, was this one in Kitchener. All the others she canceled. All these other engagements. And they were, you know, power evangelism and, and um, probably some prophetic conferences and some worship conferences and all wonderful stuff. But she, she, she canceled it all as far as her speaking at them. But this one she came to, and the reason was it, was it was the title of the conference. It was Jesus and the Poor. And here's Carol Wimber, and she said, I feel it's really, really important for the Vineyard Movement to understand in the beginnings. Like everybody heard about the worship music because at the time it was relatively a new thing. Everybody heard about eventually healing ministry, and that partly because John's gifting was so powerful in that area. And signs and wonders was such a major deal. He said, but you need to un- understand if there was one thing that the Lord called us to initially, that where this all came from, it was Jesus' heart for the poor. Isn't that wild? I, all of us were moved that she would travel from Southern California to Kitchener to tell us that. Uh, that, was, that was a big deal. Well, there's a subcategory under this group of people that are called that the Lord calls the least of these who get even more attention. It's an even smaller group, but they get mentioned over and over and over again, particularly in the Gospels by Jesus. And who, who are they? Some of you know where I'm going. It's, it's, it's the children. It's the children. They, they do seem to sometimes get an inordinate amount, amount of attention. I don't know if you've noticed that, but, but over and over and over again, you know, suffer the little children to come to me because of such... Uh, belongs the kingdom of heaven and on and on and on it goes and Lord help I hope just pray for me right now would you okay again I've got this much okay it's okay we're good I know where we're going now that's good okay Matthew 18 if you have your Bible let's look at it Did you ever notice sometimes when somebody asked Jesus a question, his answer seemed to be completely off topic? Or, I'm a guest, so humor me, okay? Or, he gives instruction to his disciples, and and then he explains his instruction. He doesn't need to explain. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's our master and king. He doesn't need to, but he does anyway. But sometimes his explanation seems to be really, really off topic. Really out of left field. Well, this is one of those instances. I want you to jump right down to verse 10. And it says, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and that's us. And he says, see to it that you do not look down on any one of any of these little ones. One of the translations says, see that you do not despise any of these little ones. And, and by the way, that is a command. This is in the imperative tense. So this is actually a command. And, and the Lord is, 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 is saying that your default setting is going to, there will be a tendency sometimes. You say, I would never look down on little ones. I love kids. Yeah, but they qualify as being some of those who are the least of these. In this sense, they can't do a lot for you. Really? You know, I mean, they can make you feel good, right? Sometimes, a lot of the time. But you're not likely to be introduced to a lot of very influential people through children. They're, they're not going to advance your career. They're not likely to add to your bank account. They're going to drain your bank account is what they're going to do. 
And the Lord says, don't make every effort. This is where the command part, the imperative part comes in. I need to tell you this, says Jesus, because your default setting is going to be sometimes to not to think a lot of the little kids at all. And if you do, not, not to think that. Anyway, so don't. Make the effort. But then he gives the, the explanation of why he's given this instruction. And it just is very strange. He says, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. What a strange thing to say. And I don't claim to fully understand this. I think the Lord is giving a lot more light on it, though, than even 10 years ago. And I expect that's going to, 10 years from now, you know, we'll, the Lord will show us more. But one thing the Lord is saying here is that heaven and earth are moved by what God is doing in the lives of children. And the Lord has invested so much in these, in these kids to the point that there are literal heavenly beings assigned to each one of these children. Regardless of the child's socioeconomic background, regardless of who their parents were, regardless of where they live in the world, and again, as Jesus is saying, I'm telling you something that you can't see with your eyes most of the time so that you'll know it's true. I'm reminding you of this so that you will remember, says the Lord, that these little children are actually accompanied by literal heavenly beings. They're as real as anything. They're as real as you are real. They're created angels, absolutely real. And you, most of the time, you can't see them. And that's why I'm telling you this, says Jesus. On a regular basis, these heavenly beings see the face of my Father in the fullness of his glory. You don't yet, but they do. And they're hanging around with these children. These children who qualify as the least of these. Don't mess with the kids, right? And in fact, the first verses of Matthew 18, we're not going to take time to unpack that, but the, the whole message is very, very sobering. It's a warning from the Lord about not harming children. And, and, and isn't that how God's wired us? There's something in us that's just like, no, you do not harm children. Um, but that's totally scriptural as well. And it's just my opinion, but I personally believe that there's still parts of, of our, our uh, legal system that have a, a Judeo-Christian heritage. And some of the, the penalties for harming children are extremely se- severe, and rightly so, because ultimately that's the heart of God. You don't, you don't touch the children. You don't hurt them. Um, and then the Lord says, don't look, da- look down on them. Their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. He makes his angels winds his servants flames of fire it says in hebrews are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation i personally believe that of if you took a cross section of 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 any group of people children are actually more likely to be aware of angels most of the time Uh, it's just the truth but the Lord says that they're actually, these, these beings are there, whether we're aware or not. You know, it's all oh, bratty little kid. Yeah. And isn't it phenomenal the love that you can have for a child? I met Nora earlier. Nora, who's two months old. Wow, that is so cool. Do you ever think about stuff like this? That if it's your own child or even your own grandchild? How, what the, the love that Lord has put in your heart for that child? If if, if they if your own child has a runny nose, that's kind of cute, right? If it's somebody else's kid, that's just that's gross. That's disgusting. 
I believe it's a reflection of the Lord's heart for these kids that he causes to be in us toward these little ones. Let's, let's just go on from there. He says in verse 12, he says, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, i got to stop. I'm not going to do this all the time, but I, have to, I just have to give some editorial comment. This passage of scripture, I've heard this used countless times with regard to evangelism in general. And by the way, I believe that's okay. I'm not criticizing. I really do believe it's okay. As long as we understand that in this context, in, in, in the original context, in Matthew 18, Jesus actually is talking about the kids. Yes, he is. This is specifically about children here. Okay? And he says this. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. And he's talking about children. He's talking about the kids. How many have heard of D.L. Moody? Recognize the name D.L. Moody? One of a bunch of heroes of mine. Uh, He lived in the 1800s. He died in 1899, so he's in heaven. And I'm mentioning him because if if you can imagine one man during his lifetime, obviously way before the internet, way before the travel that we have today, he personally, in his lifetime, led thousands and thousands of people to, to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put, to put it another way, if you've been born of the Spirit, if you've been born from above, you and I are going to meet, for real, thousands of people in heaven who were personally led to Jesus through the ministry of one guy, D.L. Moody. Isn't that wild? I think that's phenomenal. But the, but the reason that I'm, that I'm mentioning it is because it's something that he said as an old man. Something that he said in his later years, he looked back on his life and he says, if I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. Let me try this side over here. If I could relive my life, so says a man who's already led thousands of people to Jesus. Are you with me? Most of us would agree that's a fairly fruitful life, yeah? Fruit that will last, eternal fruit. And he says... If I could do it over, I would devote my entire ministry, 100%, to reaching children for God. Doesn't that sound like something the Lord would do? Because it doesn't make sense. It's not not something that a bunch of really smart people would likely come up with. You know, sitting around the board, let's, let's come up with a plan to reach the nations. And yet D.L. Moody had seen with his own eyes over and over again the Lord move in this area. And I have so many stories. I'd love, oh man, I don't know if I have time to tell you. But, but he'd seen the impact it has on families and communities and ultimately on nations when children come to know Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. I, love to, I saw a little bit of uh, literature back there about Irish ministries in Mozambique. Love it, love it. Wow, and, and many of you will know, here's a couple that God called to go to minister to the poorest of the poor, the kids, the children. And that calling hasn't changed. They still do that, but look what's come of it. There's been thousands of churches, thousands of churches, not just converts, churches established in Mozambique. It's changed the entire nation. A nation that not that many years ago was considered by most, 
missiologists to be virtually unreachable. Isn't that wild? Malawi is another good example. In the, in the 1980s, I guess, I've got to tell you this, in the mid-1980s, the infant mortality rate in Malawi, in Africa, was so high. Um, this is very sad, but it was, the, it was the truth, that a majority of parents, when children were born, they, they wouldn't name the children. And that sounds very harsh and very, very cold, but the reason was they were, they were trying to separate themselves from the very likely possibility that, of, of this extreme loss that they were going to face. So they wouldn't even name the kids. And, and most children didn't reach their, their, their fifth birthday. Of those that did, 50% of those children would make it to 10 years old. And just the... It's, it's really hard for us to get our heads around, but that reality actually infected the church such, such as it was in, in the early and mid-1980s to the, to the point that there was nothing, like absolutely nothing in the entire nation that, that in any way resembled what we would call children's ministry in Malawi until, until the Lord moved by his spirit. There was, it was missionaries and some other people that, that went to minister there, but the Lord spoke to leaders in Malawi and they began to pour their lives into children. And guess what happened? an outpouring of the Spirit of God right across the nation. It was what we would call a revival, and guess where it began? It was the kids. It was with the kids. Doesn't that sound like God? Yea, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, with that, yeah, I am. Uh, it is an honor for me to represent the minister, Ministry of Compassion Canada this morning. I'm not an employee of Compassion, like my good friend Leah is back there. Uh, so I can say whatever I want. Um, about them I, I'm a big fan of their theme color I like that blue, that's really good <laughs> I love these guys I love what they do and uh, they've, they've sent along a video that we're going to show in just a couple of minutes but before we do that there's, there's two distinctives about their ministry that I, I really want to emphasize this morning there's far more than that but there's two that I really want to drive home the first one is their absolute commitment to evangelism okay by far, that's the most important thing I'll share about them today. But it's their this is part of their calling. This is part of their mandate. There are, there are other organizations that are doing wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. This is their calling, okay? It's, it's primarily, yeah, they're, they're about development, but evangelism and discipleship, they're stellar in these areas. And just to put this in perspective, I sure hope you saw the pictures of children waiting to be sponsored on the tables out there in the hallway. And, and as you know, those are pictures of real children, and they really are waiting to be sponsored. This is not a prophetic word, okay? This is just based on statistics up until this moment of what's been happening. I can tell you with absolute confidence that the vast, vast majority of those kids, and I'm looking at some of them right now, at least I can just see the edge of the, those, those picture uh, child packs up there, the vast majority of those kids, once they are sponsored, they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Oh, come on! Think about the implications of what I just said. Guys, think about this. We are going to see those kids in heaven for real. Yay, God! That was it. That was the big thing I wanted to see. You can go home now. That was the biggie. Um, yeah, I was, I was a, actually a senior pastor for nine years, so I, this, the second thing I wanted to emphasize about them, I get ja really jazzed about this. I don't know if, if you will. If you don't, that's okay. We're still friends, really. But it's their commitment to the local church 
And again, this is their calling. This is what the mandate that God has put upon them. They only work through the local church in the field. So if you can imagine a struggling pastor in a developing nation, I, I can. I really can. But, he, you know, you just picture this, this man, and he's got hopes and dreams for his community to see God move, the same as you do here in the Ottawa Valley, except in his case, maybe he can barely provide for his own family. Well, he partners with Compassion, and, he, and a year or two later, his church is now three times the size that it was. But that three times growth is from conversion growth. Isn't that wild? And this is happening all over the planet through this ministry because the children are coming to know Jesus, but then the whole family does. Isn't that wild? It's just, it's just off the scale. That pastor, and it's not, he's not hypothetical because the story repeats itself over and over and over and over. That pastor is held in very high esteem in that community now. His church has become the go-to place for anybody in need. And why is that? Because people know when you go over there, they love you unconditionally over there. For real. And it's also the go-to place for all of these adults who are coming to the pastor or coming to the church and saying, I don't know what happened to my kid who's in your program, but they've changed, like in a really good way. And I don't know what it is that you have, but I know that I desperately need it too. What must I do to be saved? Cool? It is. It is very cool. It is. So, uh, Stefan, is he up there? We're going we're gonna to show the, the video if we can at this time. It's, it's about two and a half hours long. So I hope you're, <laughs> hope you're really comfy. It's about three minutes, and then we'll, we'll continue. Good stuff. I love that. Um, Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed 100 kids, feed one. And I think she was speaking to human nature. She was speaking to me, and I can still get uh, pretty wiped out by these things, and it doesn't take much for me to be a puddle. Um, there are a lot of really bad things happening in the world. There just are. And that was before, when, you know, within the last 24 hours in this earthquake in, in Ecuador that uh, Aaron mentioned. There's just a lot of really nasty stuff, and... Uh, I, I don't know a lot of the statistics, and that's intentional because I don't... Um, because some of them are devastating. The one that I do kind of remember to some extent, and I don't even have the exact number anymore, but they're still talking about more than 20,000 children that, that perish every day from malnutrition and preventable diseases. That doesn't even have to happen. And that's not last year. That's per day. That's yesterday. And, and again, before the end of today, and on and on it goes. Equally as true, though, and this is what I want to focus on in our brief remaining time this morning, is that in this room right now, at this moment, I know there's a significant number of you who are being instrumental in seeing lives completely transformed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know this because you're already sponsoring kids. And I just want to say thank you. Bless you. You rock. I'm a fan. It, it's a huge deal. And it's not, you know, it's not just a picture on the fridge. It might seem like such a tiny little thing to you, but you know when it gets to the other side of the planet, it's absolutely immense. So well done. Bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Um, I'm not much of a mathematician, but I worked it out. It costs $1.36 a day to sponsor a child, see their life completely turned around. Probably for eternity if it's through this ministry. Forever. Right? Buck thirty-six a day. It's actually considerably less than that if you pay income tax. If you're one of those strange people. Uh, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But for our purposes, you know, think about this. $1.36, here's a child that has very little hope for any kind of a future, like Jennifer was. That same child is sponsored, and now they're thriving. 
They're receiving everything they need, and they're learning about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for them. And it truly is, as Jennifer said, it truly is life-changing. A buck 36, what's a, what's a medium double-double from Tim Hortons? It's about a buck 70 in most parts of the country. Yeah, think about that. Dollar 36 to sponsor's child. Dollar 70 for my coffee. Starbucks is infinitely more. You know, but, uh, but, but, but worth it. That's just my, my opinion. Actually, if you regularly buy your coffee from Starbucks, you should consider sponsoring a village. Just... Just had an epiphany moment there, Aaron. So my wife Sandy and I went to get our taxes done. We have a way cool um, accountant in Cambridge, Ontario. She's, she's pretty great. We'd been sponsoring children for I don't know how many years, years and years and years, and I never even thought to ask this before. never occurred to me. I finally asked, okay? When she was done with our taxes, and I, I said, well, you're, you know, your fancy software there, could you punch in some more numbers for me? What would be the difference in my tax refund and, and by the way, at the time, uh, and there's a reason I'm telling you this, but at the time we were sponsoring four, four kids. And I'm just grateful that, that we could do that. You know, God's been really good. I'm just grateful. But I asked her, what would be the difference in my tax refund if we weren't sponsoring these kids? And as it turns out, you know what? I'm not actually spending $1.36 per day for each of the kids we sponsor. Guys, it's, it's more like 70 cents. All these years, and I never knew that, I actually pay 51% of it. I get 49% back. Isn't that wild? Put it another way, for me to sponsor two kids costs about the same as I thought I was spending to sponsor one. There's a thought. Maybe that's for some of you here. Isn't that wild? And I understand, like up to a certain point, you know, of taxable donations, it's different for everybody. So if you make more money than me, which is highly probable, maybe you'll have to spend 60% and only get 40% back. You know, but either way, what an incredible... Say what you like. What an incredible country we live in. And I personally believe what an opportunity that the Lord has given us. Yeah? Yeah. And if Sandy were here, she'd tell you. I just blurted it out. As soon as the accountant told us this, I said, Oh my goodness! we got to sponsor some more kids! <clears throat> and so we did. We got, we got a few more. Um, but right out of the gate, we got this little guy. We have a picture, I think. And... There he is. That's Mateo. And uh, he's eight years old and he lives in Colombia. And he likes soccer and running and I like those things too really a lot. So there was an instant connection that was very, very cool. We, we actually got to go and, and uh, Sandy and I got to go spend eight days in Colombia. And we spent a fair bit of time with Mateo and his mom and grandma. Uh, Dad's long gone. That's a, a whole other story. As cool as the soccer and the running are and that connection that we had, Far more important, Mateo has come to know Jesus. Yay, God. I'm repeating myself, but, but guys, we're going to be in heaven together for real. And uh, I wish I, anyway, the, the Lord's hand is all over this little guy. Some of it's funny, but it's all, it's, it's all awe-inspiring. This is an eight-year-old evangelist. This is an eight-year-old Colombian boy who regularly prays for me and my ministry. Isn't that cool? So by extension, he's praying for you guys today. Love it. Uh, Sandy and I have four kids of our own. And, uh, oh, is there a picture of the next? I think there's another. There, there we are. There's a good-looking group. That's Sandy and me and, and Mateo. Uh, yeah, we have four kids, uh, three girls and a boy. And the, the, they're older. The girls are all married. Three of them are married. And I'm going to be a grandpa. Woohoo! So excited. 
Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. I, I don't know when, but I figure it's bound to happen eventually. <laughs> just, just making sure you're still awake there. I've, I've been telling that joke way too long. Um, I actually am a grandfather three times over. We have three grandkids, and the oldest, I was sharing earlier, our, our oldest is named Nora with an H, and um, I remember I said I'm a wealthy guy? I am. The Lord's been so good to us. But our kids and the spouses right now, they're sponsoring seven more children, which is pretty cool. Um, but if you were to ask them, why do you do that? They'd answer the same way I would. They'd say, why would I not? The Lord has been so good to me. This is such a little thing, and yet it so represents the heart of my Lord and my Savior and my love. For us, it's really an act of worship, and it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's become a discipleship issue, because being a Christian and following Jesus, it's not a hobby for us. You know, It's the greatest adventure ever is what it is. And the Lord's promised not, not only his provision, he's promised his abundance. As I just keep saying yes. Yes. And Lord, please take my words at face value because given half a chance, I'll run. But thank you for the incredible love that you have for me. You never would leave me to myself. You never would leave me or forsake me. It would never enter your heart to do so. So I say yes to you, Daddy. I say yes, whatever it is, wherever it is, I say yes to you. And this is one of those things, I'm making it sound like it's a big deal. For most of us, it's not, if we're honest. For most of us, it's not. Um, Somebody pointed out to me, (laughs) I didn't know this in the nine years that I was pastoring, but this is the truth. I researched it. Somebody pointed out that there are more than 2,000 references in the Old and New Testament, to God's heart for the poor and justice issues. Did you know this? It's true. More than 2,000 references. And I'm mentioning that because I've had so many extremely well-meaning people, and I mean it, come up to me and say, Jay, you know what? I need to pray about this. I need to pray about sponsoring a child. And my response to that is wonderful. Because I mean, almost anything, it's a really good idea to take it to the Lord, yeah? Right? Unless I'm being goofy. That's a theological term. See, what I mean by that is if I'm saying, I need to ask God if it's his will for me to take a tiny part of my resources to help minister to the poor and tell them about Jesus. What do I think he's going to say? See, you see what I mean about being goofy? Right? Especially when he's already given his opinion more than 2,000 times. That's just goofy. And I, I would add to that, and this is just me, my experience, this is my lack of experience, but I cannot remember ever, not once in my entire life, crying out to God and saying, Oh God, oh Lord, is it your will for me to buy this cup of coffee as I go through the drive through today? I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just trying to give some perspective. Yeah? This cup of coffee that, by the way, in my case, costs considerably more than twice what it cost me to sponsor a child today. So, Lord, thank you for these dear, dear, dear people whom you love more than can be said, more than can be spoken. Thank you for your hand on them, the influence that they have all around the world. Thank you so, so much.
So here's the thing, guys. Listen, if you don't sponsor kids yet, that's okay. And not everybody can. I have extended family right now. There's no way they could consider it right now. That's okay. That's cool. Most of us, if we're honest, we totally can. But if you don't sponsor kids yet, you could take care of that today. And I'm going to challenge you and say, please don't run off after the gathering. Go to the tables and choose your child, and they'll sign you up. They've made it so easy. You don't need to even have any money with you today. If you can start the sponsorship right away, it's better because there's no delay then in the child getting help, and we, we really want to encourage that, that no delay. So if it's a matter of needing, you know, well, i got to go to the car to get some information, well, then please, would you go to the car? Because it's a really big deal. I, I do have CDs and stuff. I really don't care about that. Um, but if you can start the sponsorship right away, we want to, would you take a CD just to say thanks? It's just to encourage that, yeah. Let's do what we need to do. If we, if we can start it right away, that'd be amazing. If you already sponsor kids, again, thank you, bless you, bless you, bless you. It would be extremely difficult to overstate the impact you're having. It's that big a deal. But here's the challenge. Would you consider another one? Or more if you can, but at least take home a kid you didn't come with today. You know, <laughs> Surprise your friends. I'm going to close with this. Uh, Pastor Aaron. I, I uh, get to go to churches all over Canada. I'm so grateful. And one of the things that I do is I go to a lot of church services. So you can, some of you can just imagine quite a cross-section of the body of Christ. And some of the churches are massive and some of them are tiny. I prefer the latter. I really do because it's more like, well, it's just us. You know, it's just family. The really big ones, it's more like being on a TV show and it's, it's a lot of pressure and stuff. It's an honor, but it's just a different dynamic. But even the wee little ones sometimes, if I'm really close to home, I'll, I'll often be leaving and I'll have a conversation with the Lord. I'm probably just whining and calling it prayer. But it'll be something like, Lord, you know, there's people here today. They could be sponsoring five kids. Ten kids, you know, and they wouldn't even feel it. Like it wouldn't be the tiniest drop in the bucket to them. And, and by the way, uh, I understand that's none of my business. It really is none of my business. That's between them and the Lord. This is for me. This is for me and my family and what I just can't help thinking this. Maybe we should be sponsoring children until we do feel it, at least a little bit. And again, it, it sounds so harsh, in, but why does it sound so harsh? It's because we're in North America. See, if we are in other parts of the world right now, nobody would raise an eyebrow, something like that. Seriously. Some of the most generous people I've ever met are from the Philippines, just as an example. I'm just giving, tossing that out there. What did David say? He said, with regard to a life of worship and a life in God in general, he says, I'm not, I'm not going to offer to God that which costs me nothing. I've heard it said repeatedly, the fire always falls on the sacrifice. I'm not sure that's true. It might be, and I'm willing to be corrected, but one way of saying that, that it's absolutely true, I believe, is that the fire does always fall on the sacrifice when the sacrifice is motivated by love for the Lord Jesus Christ. No exception. This is good preaching, Pastor. Amen, 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 amen. Okay, I think I'm done. Um, so, Aaron, do you want to come and rescue these people from me?